Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 177 of the podcast. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I don't know what you're doing today, but I think you're going to love the conversation. You know, my favorite conversations, uh, almost all, I mean, I love getting my brain taxed. I love uh, learning new things. I love talking about the future. I love talking about what's next, what's different. But I think the reason I'm still doing this at my age and stage, 23 years into my leadership journey in ministry, is because of conversations like this one. And we got a couple of them coming up in the next few weeks. I've got Scott Sauls on the podcast again soon. And, you know, this conversation isn't so much about what you do as a leader, it's about who you are. And I get the opportunity to hang out with Eric Geiger and with Todd Atkins once again. And this is kind of fun because they do an awesome podcast called 5LQ. So if you're a regular listener of their podcast, you've subscribed to it. This episode is on their podcast, like this conversation, and it's on mine. We thought we'd do a mashup uh, just for fun. And this one is on the lies leaders believe. This is about the stuff that kind of sinks you and me when we're not paying attention. This is like the, uh, how did I end up here <laughs> kind of conversation. So I think you're really going to love this. And Eric and Todd just, just are great. And we get pretty transparent pretty fast. So different kind of conversation. And then next week, Scott, Sauls, and I talk about unhealthy ambition, envy, isolation, and leadership. And of course, if you subscribe, you get it automatically. It just shows up on your phone or on any device you want to listen to every single Tuesday, because that's when we do this podcast. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, and thank you for the ratings and the reviews. You guys are just phenomenal with this stuff, and uh, you're so encouraging. So uh, please do share this with uh, people if it's made a real difference for you. And speaking of things that make a difference, hey, have you registered yet for Rethink Leadership? It's happening April 25th through 27th in Atlanta, and I'm going to be there along with Andy Stanley, uh, Les McEwen, Kara Powell, Reggie Joyner, John Acuff, Brad Lominick. And so many more. Lee Allen Jenkins is going to join us this year. It is a roundtable kind of event where you're going to meet some peers who, you know, some of them are going to be a stage ahead of you. You're going to learn a lot. And it's kind of an open access event. Um, the breakouts are honestly 15 minutes of presentation and 45 minutes of your questions. Uh, we're hosting a VIP reception on the opening night that you will be invited to just to hang out and talk. And I would love for you to be there. So head on over to RethinkLeadership.com. Also, Canadians, hey, hang out at the Canadian Church Leaders Conference in June this year. We would love to host you. There are still some seats available. And you can head on over to CanadianChurchLeaders.ca. Now, I want to tackle a myth before we jump into the conversation. And the myth is that you cannot get 100% of your volunteers trained at your church. I mean, think about that for a minute, all right? You, you spend a lot of time as a leader trying to work out, okay, your strategy, your approach, your philosophy of ministry. And you get like half the people who show up to a training event. And, and frankly, to be honest, a meaningful percentage of your volunteers uh, aren't trained. And think about what that's doing to your ministry, not to mention maybe some safety concerns and that kind of thing as well. So I sat down with Scott Magdalene. He is the owner of Trained Up and the founder of TrainedUp.Church. And I asked him, is it even possible to train 80 to 100% of your volunteers, here's what he had to say. 
Yes. Well, the short answer is yes. It's definitely possible to train a large percentage, majority percentage, even to the point of saying 100% of your volunteers can be trained and up to speed. Um, it's the key. So the key to getting it done is number one, communication. Uh, number be able to communicate the importance of training and then always providing a link to that training so they can get to it. Um, every trained up account has a, a unique URL that you can send your send to your church leaders or to your ministry, your volunteer leaders, uh, so they can get to it really easily. And so making it easy for them to find as well as making sure that they are aware of it. And so we've built in a couple of tools into trained up fe as features to, to help with that engagement. Number one is it's uh, really simple to invite users from our tool. You can either copy the URL or you can click and use our invite users tool. Uh, we also have a bulk import. That's a, a service. Uh, that's something we provide as a service. So you can import all of your use, all of your volunteers into the system all at once. So there's no like click, 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 click to uh, import or invite all of your individual volunteers. And then the next thing is we have an automatic reminder tool that automatically emails a reminder to all of your volunteers if they haven't completed the course that you've assigned them to. That way that they um, they always get, uh, it keeps your training top of mind for them throughout the week. So it's like, I got to do my homework. <laughs> right. right. It really yeah. just prevents the the ministry leader from having to be the one to send the, hey, hey Betty, you forgot to do the training this week kind of thing. <laughs> So if you want to learn more about training up your volunteers in a way that's very 2018 online with the opportunity to get everybody trained, head on over to trainedup.church, check it out. Use the promo code CAREY, C-A-R-E-Y. You will get 10% off for life. So make sure you check that out, trainedup.church. And thanks to Scott for his partnership on this podcast. Hey, you're going to want to dive in a little bit deeper. You can go to the show notes. It's kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 177. And in the meantime, here is my conversation with Todd Atkins and Eric Geiger. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I am here with Eric Geiger. Yes, this is me. And we're actually doing a podcast mashup today. I've yeah. never done one. I'm excited. Uh, and we are doing that podcast with Carrie Newhoff. That's right. So you're also listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast <laughs> at the same time. Isn't that weird? The famous. He's a, he's a podcast daddy. Podcast daddy. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Uh, and so this is like, is this the third lies that leaders believe that we've done together? We've done second. a few. That's for sure. I think it's the second. I think it's the. Th third podcast but the second lies leaders believe because that thing okay. that thing has a life of its own it keeps showing up on social media on on my channels it's like uh, and we'll link to that in the show notes my show notes and uh, we'll link to i'm sure you will show. as well absolutely we is this a competition like my show notes versus your show no notes? <laughs> no, no, no i don't want to i don't know if i want to be in that competition no no i would lose for sure for oh, sure so I guess we can keep doing podcasts about lies because there's just a lot of them. <laughs> there are. That's right. We, I think leaders are particularly susceptible to lies. Mm -hmm. Because they're attractive or because we... No, because over the course of time, we tend to isolate ourselves mm -hmm. with a greater you know, amount of responsibility and leadership authority that right. we get. You know, We have a natural tendency to try to go it alone, which is a lie I think we covered in one of the first ones. Good. I can do this by myself. <laughs> you're gonna do it's the Todd it Atkins leadership like podcast. You're do the podcast by yourself. <laughs> oh, whatever. You okay, I'll ask the first question then. I'll ask the first question. All right. All right. Uh or not it's not really a question. It is a lie that leaders believe. Uh and and then uh Carrie, you can you and Eric can both respond. So okay. if I'm winning at church and not at home, 
I'm still winning. Mm. Eric, who's going first on that one? Man, there's so much to say to say on this one. I, gosh, it's terrifying to think that that leaders would be susceptible to that lie, right? That, but it's true. You've seen you've seen it. I've seen it in people. Uh, that, and I I think the reason is is because at work or at church, you can crank out things and get things done, and and you walk away from the day seeing results, seeing impact, and then you go home, and oftentimes the impact that we have with our spouses and our kids is less each day tangible. It's more intangible. So I'm attracted to, I can easily be attracted to the winning at the office, the winning in the ministry, the winning at work, because uh, it, it fuels the, the ego there. It fuels the pride. Uh, it gives me a sense of worth and accomplishment. And so I see the attractiveness of it. I have to repent of that. The The scary thing is, is that someone would not be winning at home and still think that they're winning because uh, if you can't lead well at the house, you can't really lead well anywhere. No, I, I couldn't agree more, but I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, just peeling the, um, <laughs> the cover back a little bit, I went one or two rounds with one of my counselors on this when I was in my 30s because I was winning at church. We were one of the fastest growing, one of the largest in our denomination in the country. But at that time, I wasn't winning at home. And I actually, believe it or not, this is how stupid I was. Welcome to Stupid Mashup Podcast. I actually thought that because we were winning at church, it excused everything that happened at home. And I know that's really jacked up and really stupid, but like if God, and this is, this is why I think the, that ministry is a vortex of theological confusion. And it's confusing because, okay, well, wait a minute. And this was my thinking at the time, and this is like 15 years ago or whatever, but um, yeah, my wife isn't happy with me right now. I'm probably not as home as much as I, at home as much as I should be. But clearly, if God is blessing what I'm doing at work, doesn't that make it all justifiable? Like, you so know, I, God. I, ask, I appreciate the transparency. It's awesome to, to hear it because I know that others wrestle with it. Did you think in your mind that uh, it, may, it will end up working itself out in the end, or this is just a, a, a season or a phase? That was some time ago, Eric, and it's a really good question. I probably thought it was just justified, like this is the price of success. Gotcha. That and and that somehow, if God, it was really messed up. But somehow, if God wasn't happy with me in my whole life, then He would basically end what was happening in ministry. And you know, it was it was it was it was a case where it was an unhappy marriage. It wasn't a terrible marriage. It was just an unhappy marriage. But you know, I was busy, I was consumed, I didn't know how to run my life. And I actually tried one or two rounds of justifying that with a counselor. Uh, fortunately, I had a good counselor and he called me out. And I mean, that thing, yeah. that thing fell pretty quickly. Uh, and now I would say I would rather win at home and lose at work uh, yeah. at church. Uh, you know, my, I've, I've come full circle on that one. But yeah, I mean, I actually, I actually went around with a customer on that, with a, a counselor on that and tried to win it. And Fortunately, lost. But I think that's really easy to um, try to figure out and try to justify. What, what was the? I'm, I'm curious. What was the light bulb moment or the or the 
the confrontation statement that the counselor brought that that alerted you that this is not this is not healthy thinking? Well, at first I was just kind of like, really? Um, but I think it was only when I got to the other side fully years, like I'll, 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 you know, intellectually I conceded, okay, that's probably not true. But emotionally, I think only when I got into a much better season in my marriage, when I got into a much healthier place, that's when I started to go, okay, I get it now. And I I appreciate the. It's very helpful to hear the transparency and the learning. Let me, let me give another one. Uh, if I'm winning, Here's a lie. If I'm winning in the eyes of my church, then I'm winning in the eyes of God. Mm. So equating the church's perception of me with the Lord's perception or uh, view of my of my life. So, Todd, do you want to go first? Like, how would you answer that one? If you're winning in the eyes of the church, then clearly you're winning in the eyes of God. Okay, so I mean, this is a a personal this is a personal question for me, or a personal lie that I, I feel like I've believed um, before in ministry, especially early on. Um, it's so easy for us to compartmentalize our lives to say, okay, I'm being blessed in ministry, and therefore, you know, I, if the the church is happy with me, uh, then. God must be happy with me because obviously I'm garnering the favor of the people. Great things are happening. Um, but the reality is, uh, the, at least the reality was with me, I didn't, I was, I was basically living uh, or leading on the fumes of a relationship with God that I had when I was you know, younger. Uh, mm-hmm. And had it, it occurred, I turned back to God right uh, after high school um, found myself in ministry very early uh, and started to get some success in that. And then, you know, over the course of time, living off of the fumes of that, you know, initial turn back, uh, come back, you know, fervor and experience and connection with God and realizing that, you know, the, the tank was empty. Um, I just knew what to do and what to say and when to say it versus doing it out of, you know, true worship uh, for God and and leading the the church the way I knew I should. Man, this is this is a lie I've, I believe too, Kerry mm-hmm. Todd. This is this is one I've I've felt fallen to. I, and I think as I'm listening to Todd, I'm like, man, this is hap- this has happened in my heart before. And what what what's led to it is, gosh, it's, embar- it's embarrassing to admit, but where you put ministry in, on in such a pedestal or your church in such a on such a pedestal that that essentially becomes your God. So they become yeah. equated where it's, it's one, it's one, it's one with the other. And, and I now know the term ministry idolatry, where I, I care more about what the Lord's doing through me than I care about what he's already done for me in offering Christ on my behalf. And so when I put, you know, I mean, this happened, but I'm more excited about what happened in our church on Easter weekend than I am about the reality of Easter weekend. Mm. And I care more about ministry and ministry is equated with, with God. Therefore, when that happens, man, it's like, if I'm winning in the eyes of the church or if I'm winning in the eyes of ministry, then that's become my God. And so that's, it's one in the same. And it's, it's definitely a lie I've, I've fallen to in the past. Yeah. 
I, I, I think we're all guilty. Um, you know, if you're winning in the eyes of your church, winning in the eyes of God, the part that, and I'm glad these are two separate questions. Like we started about winning at church, but not at home. I'm still winning. Home for me is way easier to measure than God. I mean, I mean, like, how do you know how you're doing with God? And I would say my wife has helped me tremendously in this, as well as some counseling and just some wise counsel in my life. And I would say, how do you know you're winning with God, right? Like, I was talking about this with a friend earlier today, and I read my Bible on a daily basis, and uh, I love you version. And I heard Craig Rochelle say something lately, uh, and he meant it entirely well, but he was basically just saying, um, I love that they have streaks now, right? Because you can see you're on a 15 day streak or a 30 day yeah, streak or right. whatever. I just wanted to clarify that. What 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 he meant by that? <laughs> what streaking is? <laughs> Greg Rochelle was talking about streaking. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the end he of both did. Of our he was podcasts. like, he was, uh, he was like the president of a fraternity at one point in time. <laughs> I think this is this is pre Jesus Craig. Yeah, he it was. It was pre Jesus Craig. But, yeah. you know, I'm sure he knew how to have a good time back in the day. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what? For me, it's like ticking those little boxes. I did the Psalm. I did the devotion. I did the Old Testament. I did the New Testament. And sometimes it's like, okay, well, I did that. But how do I know that my heart's right? How how do I even know? And it gets all jacked up in my view. Is it like I'm preaching well? And, <laughs> you know, surprise, surprise, John 13, the Apostle Paul. It's like where is love flowing out of your life? And if it's not flowing at home, if it's not flowing to my team, if it's not flowing to people, then I'm probably not right with God. As Andy would say these days, Andy Stanley, if you're not right with people, you're probably not right with God. And, you know, that's that's challenging because it takes something that's very ethereal, very like, how do you know whether you're right with God, right? We're saved by grace into something very practical. And so I would have to measure it by the health and the state of the relationship of the people closest to me. I think it was John Maxwell who years ago said, um, I, well, I'm going to butcher this, but he said something like, I, I want the people who know me the best to admire me the most. And that's not like an ego thing, but it's really easy. You know, when you have 10,000 Twitter followers or, you know, lots of downloads on your podcast, you get fan mail every day and then you come home. And it's like, well, why didn't you take out the garbage, right? And it's easy, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. easy to, to, to just be that guy. And so it's like, am I loving my wife well? Am I loving my children well? Am, does my team feel valued, respected? Is that love flowing through me? And there have been whole seasons of my life where the answer is like, nope. And then I'm probably not winning in the eyes of God. And what does that even mean? I mean, if we're saved by grace through faith, Right. How does that, I wrote down in, in notes, and we won't do this question, but, you know, I probably went on a journey of, at the beginning, in my 20s or 30s, I would have probably, I never would have said it at the time, but looking back, I felt like I was working for God. Like, are you happy now? Are you happy now? Am I doing a good enough job? Right. Well done. I'm working for God. And then there was a period where I thought, no, it's a co-labor. I mean, that's like bad theology, but like you're working with God. Right. But of course, in the, in the Calvinist sense, you know, the third and principal use of the law is uh, a guide to the redeemed and a response to God. So hopefully my life is a response to what God has done for me. And that puts it in the best light for me. Um, but I think the measure of that is love. How well am I loving the people that actually know me the best? 
Does that make sense or word. is that yeah. just yeah. yeah and I and I agree the question uh Todd wrote it <laughs> Yeah <laughs> the Todd. question Yes I know but don't Jesus juke me no, you've no. already won No 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 it's actually I understand the spirit of the question but Carrie's Carrie's uh Carrie's rebuke of Todd's question <laughs> <My> <laughs> is actually <laughs> it's actually kind of wise because we're not really okay, winning I'll in go the Paul eyes Tripp of the Lord. We've already I'm... won. We've already won. We're already approved in the eyes of the we Lord. We are trophies but, of his grace. But the spirit of the question is, <laughs> is, 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 do we care more about how other people view us than how the Lord's right. view and It's a great so, question. It's a it great really question. Is. Oh, thank you for it that. It is, Todd. I mean, it's not we theologically accurate, but we it's a great question. We affirm Todd. <laughs> All right. Uh, bring a more theologically correct uh, question. Please. All right. Well, I don't know. I'll I'll pull one out of the bin. Um, okay, this one's fun. Uh, you guys wrote this one, one of you. I have paid my dues, and I deserve mm. this. Therefore, the special treatment, special perks. Come on, bring it on. Yep. I deserve well, this. I, oh, I, I see it. I see it in my heart. I, and I see it. I just have been recently reading uh, and, and writing someone on David. So David, phenomenal mm. leader. King of Israel, you, you read Second Samuel 11, and other enemies are now bowing to Israel. And then, I'm sorry, Second Samuel 10, and then Second Samuel 11 is when his downfall happens, his implosion when he commits adultery with Bathsheba, then ultimately murders her her husband. And it's like, what is going on in this guy's head? He was a man after God's own heart. He he wrote Psalms. He he was the king of God's people, and he got to a point when you read the narrative where it's clear, I am the king. Look at my approval ratings. Look at all I've all that I've done for the people. Anything I want, I deserve. If I want this woman to come to my palace, then go get her, go get her. And there is, there is great danger in believing that you are entitled to something that you're owed something because at, you know, we believe as Christians that we can't that anything we have is only because he's given it, not because we've done anything to achieve it. But we start acting as if we've earned it or achieved it. It 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 pulls us away completely from relying on his grace and can pull us, as we see in David's life, into some really dangerous places. Oh, totally. You know, that that passage speaks to me because I'm the same Way I mean, I love David. I love the young King David. I love David, not really in exile, but even before he became king, where he has all those years in waiting. But you know, if I I haven't got the passage in front of me right now, but if I think I think the details are that it was around noon. It was the season when the kings normally go to war. So it's interesting. There you've got a king who's not at war. It's a season where the king is normally at war, and he's basically strolling around the palace roof at noon, kind of looking around or whatever time of day it was, and he spies something he loves. And he's like, yep, it's mine. And I think that's yeah. where you start to appreciate or you, you start to feel entitled to the fruit of the ministry more than the work of the ministry. You, you want the perks. You don't want the work. And I, I think that can be, you know, Stephen Covey writes about that in the context. I think he uses the phrase, about the goose that lays the golden egg, using that old story. But, you know, as long as you're focused on production, that's great. But as soon as you just start living for the eggs, you eventually kill the goose. And there, you know, I, I think I think that's a real problem. And there's a whole culture around that in some churches, and sometimes it disguises itself as honor 
or whatever, but you know, we need to take the posture of a servant and I have to, I have to be careful. Can I throw a wrinkle into this question? Go for Absolutely. it. Because it's like, okay, well, what about like, does that mean you should never ever fly business class? Does that mean you should always drive a beater? Does that mean you should always park at the back of the lot or you should never have the corner office? Like, where's the line on that stuff? Hmm. Da, da, da. I've been thinking about that a lot. I've been thinking all about that a lot. I didn't want to be the third one to answer. Or the first, uh, I was waiting to see if you, if you, uh, if you were going to answer your own question, or if Todd was. Uh, I think the line is often it's, and this is why it's challenging because it's the it's the it's the motivation of of the heart is the is the motivation of the heart. Mm. I want to uh, to show off. I want to uh, to show how successful I am. Or is um, you know, the motivation of this place that I'm going on vacation with my wife, that's maybe a little bit larger bedroom uh, or, or spare room than, than uh, not because I'm, I'm working on a project. I need, I need some, uh, I need some extra space to work. I mean, what's the motivation that's, that drives the decision, which is sometimes, which is oftentimes hard to discern from the outside. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I fly a lot. I do a lot of travel. So again, confession time. I always thought I'll never fly business class. You know, I'm a pastor, etc. Well, but a year and a half ago, I got upgraded a couple times. Then you realize, wow, I do show up better rested. You <laughs> oh, know, and you, get so and much work done. you get a lot of work done. And I travel a lot. I travel an awful lot. And so where the opportunity happens, I will jump into a better seat or even business class and I've really wrestled with that. I'm like, am I becoming that guy? On the other hand, I know when I'm in row 28 in the middle seat and I show up exhausted and tired and I show up at home and, you know, I'm not there to give, I'm there to take because I'm burned out from my trip. That's not good either. So I look at it and, and this could be total justification, but what is the ecosystem in which you thrive? Right. What is the what is the I don't like a lot of clutter. So I organize my office in such a way that it's just simple space where I can where I can work and I don't get distracted by a lot of mess. Um, in a similar way, I was getting really tired just flying from city to city to city and even putting limits on how much I spoke or what I did. It would still make me tired. So um you know, I don't know whether that's just justification or whether that's actually I will good. Say, on the um, other hand, I park at the back of the lot at our church. I don't have a reserved parking spot. Yeah, and are you doing that now? Are you doing that to make up for? <laughs> the, the, yes, I park in a different city and I walk. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I take class, that's how humble I, I am. Park. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, it's hard. It's hard. The human heart's hard to know, right? It's hard. Yeah. Who can know it? I will say, um, you know, we do... We do a conference and Kerry has, has spoken um, both. He, he has spoken at Pipeline Conference. He will be speaking at Pipeline West in, uh, in February. Um, and, you know, we interact with a lot of speakers, a lot of leaders. And, and I've never even questioned. Um, like, it's, it's not like you don't send uh, a writer or something that says, the, this is all the demands I have. Room <laughs> I need temperature, to make sure water, that I have uh, no problem. If you on water, no, that's not that's not carrying you off. There's no way. We 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 have utmost respect for absolutely for you uh, as someone who who walks humbly with the Lord, and and so I. 
Well, I hope so. You know, that's what I want to be. And yet, you know, I have that discussion with my team and, and, you know, if the church, if there's budgets an issue, I'll eat the difference if I'm in one of those better seats. But, um, you know, I, I don't know, I guess, do you think it happens when you stop asking the questions? Is that when you really start to drift into dangerous territory? I think it might and, be. And, right? I think that's good insight. I think asking the question, it, what's going on in my heart, is is a, is a good place to be as opposed to, you know what? I don't even care. I just don't mm. even care. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's when you think that's you deserve it. That's when I think it. you get calloused and, and when you think you, you're owed everything. And we've invited people into decisions. We have a nice house. It's not a crazy, ostentatious house. It's a house that a lot of people who go to our church could afford. Um, but you know, when I bought it eight years ago, when we bought it, we walked a couple of the elders through and we said, is this too much house? And so I think if you're willing to live in a, and we've used it many times over, but you know, one day I'll use my, uh, 7 million square foot house as a justification for ministry. You hear that too, right? (laughs) So well, we use it for ministry. No, mostly use it for yourself. Actually, I've seen. Right, right. So, (laughs) so that's that's challenging. It really is. So, um, how about you guys? How do you how do you deal with that? How do you keep your heart right on perks and special treatment? Well, Lifeway, we have a ton of policies. So, (laughs) (laughs) so. You know that, that there, there's there, there's one there's really two approaches. You can ask yourself deep penetrating questions like you're doing, or you can just have a bunch of policies. Because people before you maybe made the mistake of uh, feeling like they deserve things. And, yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, and I'm making fun of the policies. Sometimes the policies are helpful. Uh, it's kind of the, the uh, draw of. It, I do not view policy as legalism. Right? Legalism is when you're you're doing a thing to qualify yourself to guide a policy is not, not legalism, but a policy can unfortunately cause you to not ask the deep penetrating questions. That's the, the downside of the policy. The upside of the policy is you don't have to ask the deep penetrating questions. Right. Right. Uh, You'll always be in row 36 in the middle seat, yeah, right? I'm, I'm 36 B. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you see that, you're like, Oh, it's going to be a tough flight. I go for, yeah. I go for the aisle seat. Yep. But I am on Southwest. <laughs> But next time we next time next time I lead someone to the Lord in in 36A, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, you let me know. That's good. All right. Uh, who's got the next question? This is good. All right. Um, I'm gonna go, and this is a double question. Uh, people, it's when you think this is a lie. I think uh, I've have have believed at one time or another. Either people aren't being honest with me. So I'm I'm kind of maybe paranoid. I'm not sure. Or people are being honest with me and leaders can be blind. So people aren't being honest with me or people are being honest with me. I Give think me both of those can that. be. Help me understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like Carrie. I need you to, you saw that office. There's a story where, behind this time. <laughs> where Come Michael on. Scott says, turn. explain it to me like I'm five. Well, okay. So I've seen, I've seen guys who, constantly leaders who constantly believe, oh, people aren't being honest with me. Mm. Nobody's being honest with me. Nobody's telling me the truth. I have to dig out the truth. Um, And I've seen other people who are just blind and they think, oh, everybody's being honest with me. But they're not. Okay. But they're not. Right. Yeah. So the the person who says people aren't being honest with me, uh, they're paranoid. Exactly. And then the person who who says, man, everyone's just being honest with me, but not really, that you're saying that they're they're blind. Yeah, that leader is potentially 
and about to uncover something in a bad way. So if you if you default to one of the other ones, Ty, which one do you default to? Um, I tend to default to people aren't being honest with me. You you would you actually would default to being paranoid rather than default to being blind. I would. Yeah. If you that's my default me in a camp. That's my default. They're just saying those things because they're afraid to tell me the truth or they're being nice. Do you, are you different? No, I, I think it's your, it, now, you, now you've asked the question. <laughs> well, the, the fact and that I'm going to turn it back on all eyes on Eric, all eyes on Eric. I'm wrestling with the answer and I'm, and I'm wondering if you, you set this up to confront me in front of everybody <laughs> means I must be paranoid. <laughs> this is the intervention. The podcast is yeah. a total setup for this, Eric. That's what it is. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I, I hate to admit that it's a good question because it's, it's causing me to think which one am I more likely to be paranoid or blind? And I probably am more likely to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. Although I've had seasons. I mean, that would be my leaning. I've had seasons where I'm like, people are being totally honest with me. And then somebody comes up and says, well, actually, they're not telling you the last 5%. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. So why do well, we get ourselves in that position where we can't even be sure of the honesty of the feedback that we're getting? What is what is missing in that? I think uh, I think trust. at times that that I've chosen to be blind is I'm overwhelmed and I don't have time to fix the problems. Mm-hmm. And so choose to just believe that I I know all the facts because I don't have time to learn a new fact that's going to create a ton of work. Right. Um, yeah. I could I could see that. And on the paranoid side, I could see, um, like Ty just said, trust. Uh, oh, man, I, I that what's driving that is not not being in a culture where where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so, so Eric and I have known each other for, I don't know, 14, 15 years. Yep. And so. um I had my I had my performance review with him yesterday, and I I think that he's definitely being honest with me. I yeah. trust that <laughs> I trust that Eric is going to be one hundred percent completely crystal clear, uh, direct. Um, and part of that is your personality, but part of it is the trust that's built up I over trust. the course of yeah. over the course of time. That being honest with me, it doesn't mean he doesn't like me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like just because uh, and, and I think sometimes we as leaders, especially if we're at a, a mid level, it's like we don't we the, we don't want people sometimes to be honest with us because we feel like it hurts or, or they don't like us when the reality is, you know, if he's correcting something in me, it's not because he doesn't like me. It's because he cares enough about me and my ministry to, you know, help make it better. So I think that creates a lot of trust. But I would say, you know, especially before I know people, um, I'm always trying to anybody listening to the podcast knows I'm like a profiler. So I'm always trying to figure out where people are coming from, <laughs> what their angle is uh, and all that. But no, you know, it's, it's good that we're having this conversation because you guys both lead something very significant, like you're in charge of a lot. And yet none of you are at the top of the org chart in your organization. You have a CEO that you report to, a boss. So mid-level, I can see that being different. I'm more in a position where in a smaller organization or church, 
I've usually been the lead guy, which can create um, a different kind of paranoia because, you know, they say it's lonely at the top and basically you're in a position where you would be with Dr. Rayner, with Tom, where, you know, he's got the power to hire and fire everybody in your organization. And so sometimes when you're at that level, um, you know, you become suspect, you, you, you fall to those two poles, which I think you described well. It's that, well, of course things are going well. That's exactly what Todd and Eric tell me. Or, um, hmm, they're not telling me the truth. And what I've found in, in, from my seat is it's what Jim, well, it's a little bit like what Jim Rohn said. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But think about the five people that you hear from the most regularly. Are they in a position to give you unfiltered feedback? Are they in a position to give you the truth? You know, they love you. They respect you. They're on their your side. They're not your perpetual critic. But will they be able to tell you, no, when you thought you crushed that meeting, actually you crushed people. You didn't crush the meeting. Mm-hmm. You crushed people. And do you have that level of transparency around you? And I know in those seasons, and I've been fortunate to have a lot of seasons where I think I've had that kind of transparency around me where I'm getting unfiltered feedback. And that is so helpful because it helps you realize, okay, they are actually on my side for a reason, but I'm not perfect. This is where I'm messing up. And, and that's been healthy. And if you're not getting a, 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 an honest diet like that, then you probably don't have the right people around you and it's time to make a change. Sometimes that's a change in the people or sometimes it's a change in you because you're not actually setting up yourself in a place where you are open to that kind of feedback. Because the last time somebody told you the truth, you snapped your head, you know, you, you snapped at them and you snapped their head off. Good deal. Well, I think we have time for one more. So one more. Carrie, Carrie, what, right. what do you got? Um, oh, I'm going to go here because it just seems to be in the cultural water. My secret sin doesn't matter. Eric, what do you think? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is is a very light question (laughs) to wrap things up, Eric. This was this was one Gary put down. I did. This is a potential he put down. I didn't. didn't Secret sin. It for sure. It for sure matters. Uh, It matters for 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 multiple reasons. And and. And we know this about the human heart. We know this from from people we've talked to. We know this even even in our the sin in our own hearts. So unconfessed sin in the life of a ministry leader or any leader for that matter, it it does at least two things. At least these two things. It will steal the confidence um, or even the anointing or the sacred conviction. You'll you'll stand up to speak or you'll be in a meeting to lead and you won't have the the holy unction conviction because this sin is um, is causing you to to not enjoy the community, the the close relationship with the Lord that you that you once did. Um, So there's there's that. And the second thing that it for sure does. Is if it's unconfessed and. It just builds and continually pulls you further and further from the Lord, uh, your affections further from him. It causes you just to live and do stupid things, stupid things. So sin multiplies in your heart. If you don't confess and repent, it's it's just going to multiply and and cause you to do things you never thought you'd do, to think things you never thought you would think, to go down paths you never thought you would 
you would pursue. So in the short term, it, it steals your confidence as a spiritual leader. In the long term, it, it, it will destroy you. That's a weighty well. question. Yeah, it's a weighty one. And, uh, you know, there, there are days where I'm extremely glad I'm in ministry because I think, hey, there's stuff you don't get away with in this field that you could get away with as a lawyer. You could get away with in business. You could get away with as an entrepreneur. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have integrity in those areas. I have lots of friends in the business sphere, and I love them, and they're great people, and a lot of them are better people than I am. But what I am saying is, you know, there's a certain, like, I'm glad that the church owns my computer because I might be in places that I wouldn't normally be in or otherwise be in if you know there wasn't that level of accountability on my life. So I think that can be really, really healthy, that fear can be a good thing. And then I do think, I think you hinted at it, Eric, it, it interferes with your intimacy, your intimacy with God, but also with your spouse. And you know, I would just say to leaders too, not everybody needs to know your secret sin, but somebody needs to know. And that's the problem with secret. Like, who are you going to tell? Are you going to tell a counselor? Are you going to tell your best friend? Are you going to tell your spouse? Are you going to tell, like, who are you going to tell? And we all, I mean, we don't even have to go to who, but I mean, we have just seen leaders topple left, right, and center um, over the last few years because right. of just character issues. It's not that they weren't smart. They're great communicators. They're super intelligent. They clearly can lead large organizations and they're fallen left, right, and center. And that's a character issue. And I really do believe your competency will take you only as far as your character will sustain you, right? You look at Tiger Woods still trying to make a comeback a decade later. And what happened? Arguably, it was a moral collapse or or the outing of that part of his life that just threw his head off to the point where he can't play the game like he used to. And he technically is one of the best in the world. I think of, uh, well... One thing I, I do want to say, you know, before we, before I, I say my answer is just really appreciate what uh, what Eric said about stealing your confidence, stealing your power, stealing your joy, stealing your feeling of uh, relationship with God. It, it it matters and it matters a lot. The other thing that it does, um, not to use a, a sports analogy, everybody listens knows I don't use. I don't watch sports, but it's been years since you watch sports, actually years. I think of, I think of the shattered bat. I think Mm. of, I think of a, a a giant who had an amazing career, who seemed to have an amazing integrity and the bat was shattered and the cork was there and everybody saw, you know, Mm. everybody could see his secret sin and it was exposed uh, for everybody to see. So it's just not worth it. I mean, you know, a person who is, who had that much skill, who had that much uh, domination in a particular sport to then go out in that way, um, because he may have been getting older and felt like he, it, it maybe he felt like he deserved to, to still be in that, that spot. But for whatever reason, it, that secret sin found him out. And it's a tension, you know, obviously, and we know this, we're all sinners, none of us is righteous. And yet, um, it's the secrecy that kills us. It's not necessarily always the sin, it's the secrecy. 
Secrecy. And I would say if someone hasn't confessed, if you have not confessed sin to God in the last 24 hours, then you really need to rewind this and, and listen to it again. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I think that's where, you know, day by day, if if we don't, if we aren't, if we do not feel the, the weight of our sin, if we are not bringing it to God, then we have a a, a real we're putting ourselves in a very poor position where we're susceptible. We're becoming callous. You know, it's really interesting in all of these lies that we've talked about, the five that we've talked about, they all tend to be heart issues. They all tend to be um, relational heart issues. And aren't these the things that really do in leaders? It's not, gosh, you really only got a C in, you know, hermeneutics. It's, it's like, you know, most of us can figure that part out. We can read a book, we can get better, we can go to a conference, we can listen to a podcast, but it is the heart issues that continue to tear families apart and ministries apart. And uh, I'm glad we talked about this stuff. This is good, guys. Me too. Very good. Yeah, thanks for letting me crash the party. You guys are the podcast daddies. It's good to, <laughs> good to be with you. <laughs> Eric, it's fun to have you. And Todd... Thanks. So uh, this for those of you who listen to my podcast and don't listen to 5LQ, uh, get on over there and uh, subscribe. Likewise, uh, we would say the same. I'm sure most of you already listen to uh, Carrie's podcast, but um, please go to iTunes and leave him a rating, a review, and be sure and subscribe. First, subscribe, listen to a few. You'll love them. Then leave the rating and review. And we'll probably hang out at Pipeline <laughs> next month, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of Very fun. Much what are the dates for that? It's mid-February, isn't it? February that 20 is, something? Uh, February 22nd and 23rd. 22nd is Pipeline Conference. And then believe it or not, we've got um, 90% of the people that come to the conference actually do the coaching day as well. I, I cool. think we we may just start doing coaching days instead of the conference because so <laughs> forget far. the conference i'll kill forget you the conference, conference we don't need you, to do I promise it. you yeah oh good 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 all right well very much looking forward to it i'm sure you are because you'll be coming from canada to mm-hmm. cali to in california february, in february. Mm, okay all right i'll do that <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys thanks man thanks for listening yeah, it's that soul stuff, isn't it, man? I hope you're like having conversations like this with friends. And, you know, my wife and I, honestly, at the time of recording this, we just got back from a counseling appointment that was so helpful. And it's not because we had a bad marriage. It's as one of my friends says, it's because we want a great one. And uh, you just need people you can talk to. And we're going to have a similar kind of vibe next week in my conversation with Scott Sauls. In fact, here's a clip from next week's episode. That kind of spiritual muscle doesn't, you don't get zapped with it. Uh, it doesn't happen with a New Year's resolution. I mean, that, that dude, he has, he's been reading through the entire Bible every year for, for over 50 years, praying through the, the Psalms every month, all, the whole book of the Psalms every month for over 50 years. He reads 80 books a year. Uh, you know, to, to feed his soul. Like the guy has got a very, very deep personal spiritual formation approach. And, um, and we're never going to become that kind of person uh, without a well-formed 
you know, thoughtfully, carefully formed heart and way of thinking about God and ourselves and, and, and the world. And so, I mean, that's the secret sauce. If you want to become, yeah, those are the deep waters. Like, yeah, you, you got to have a, a fiercely loyal, faithful, private life. Uh, if, if you're going to become, you know, a credible public servant. I'm going to guess you don't want to miss it. And again, if you don't subscribe, and uh, according to Apple, like uh, some of you don't, but uh, I'd love you to. It's free, absolutely free. I listen to the podcasts I've subscribed to and uh, share this with your friends. Please do. In the meantime, remember, you can check things out at trainedup.church. Use the promo code carry on checkout. You will get 10% off for life. And uh, thanks so much for listening today. Whatever you're doing, whatever challenges you're facing, you can overcome them. I hope this is a little bit of hope in the middle of your Tuesday or whenever you happen to be listening to it. And in the meantime, I also hope that this helps you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.